good morning, afternoon, or evening. Please delete as appropriate. Hello, and welcome to this episode 207 of the Material Podcast. I am Andy Anatko. And I am Florence Ion. And if you are manually deleting your podcasts, you're doing something wrong. Because there's a lot of podcast apps out there that will just delete it for you. You don't even have to worry about that kind of maintenance. And while with that kind of convenience in the world, who wouldn't want to take advantage of that? Exactly. Right, Andy? That, that's also why uh, we take the time to make sure we say the episode number, because some of you might be like shelving them by episode number. Some of them, some of you might be shelving all podcasts by date. Some I know like to go by the color of the album cover, mm. actually, or my talking about LP collectors. Either way, we're giving you this information. It, it qualifies as content. It is definitely, we are content providers. As long as we're giving numbers, we feel as though we're earning our money. Exactly. And speaking of content, uh, we have nothing in the chat portion of our doc. So I'm just going to go ahead and kick us off with, um, I'm really happy that today I found my mug warmer. Mm. It really, it isn't, it isn't like anything special. It's an $8 Mr. Coffee. <laughs> that I bought off of uh, Jeff Bezos's Amazon.com, and you know it keeps the bottom of my cup warm. And I was a little worried that I would have to drink cold coffee this morning while podcasting <laughs> with you, Andy, and that because that just wouldn't fly. I'm trying to become a morning person, and the only way for that to happen is if I consume the coffee that I would like to consume on a daily basis. And I can't do that if it's cold because I don't like cold coffee. Yeah, I don't. Even on a 100-degree day, I will drink piping hot coffee because that is how I start my morning. Yeah, I've been like sort of off. I, I hate how much better my day goes if I wake up early and go for a walk and like get some stuff done before breakfast. I apps for a couple of, there are a couple of situations in the past week where I found myself like waking up at six in the morning and for some reason deciding, ooh, if I get this off my plate really, really early, that could help. But I need to go and then I'd go for like a two mile walk to the to a place to get get something done. And then I just I hate the fact that now it's like nine o'clock. I've got stuff done. My energy level is up. I've got like I, I'm feeling positive about the rest of the day. I've I've been out in the sunshine. I've taken a picture of the sun low over like a little harbor. Uh, it's and so I'm like, but way. I but I'm still a little bit tired. And wouldn't it be nicer if I just like slept until right about now and were panicked about getting stuff done for the rest of the day? Well, I'm implementing what I'm calling my summer hours because ah, um, this week we so today, actually, thankfully, it's only going to be up to 75, which is an amazing respite for us because it's been in Northern oh, yeah. California. Jeez. It's been like 100 plus with no wind. So at night. Usually we have a bay breeze come in, but it has not been happening this week. We've just been sitting in still warm air. Like it's been so hot inside the house that the Nest thermostat like does not go high enough to show how hot it is in the house. Which, by the way, just so everybody knows, the max seems to be 97. That's how high. I guess Nest doesn't expect your house to be warmer than that, which is nice and positive. But my house was definitely warmer than that this week. Um, why, why 97? It's, it, it seems like I, I, could, I, I could understand it if it were a factor of two. 
Like if it were, if it, <laughs> but it's an odd number. It's just kind of like, it's just trailing off. There's not even like 99 at least like 99 is nice. Or, or they're just thinking that you know, when they were developing this, like, you know, if we tell them how much it is above, it'll just bum them out about they at 97. They just know that it's hella hot. So let's not do anything. Let's not yeah. bum them out even more. At 97, we know that nobody's using the Nest thermostat <laughs> if they don't have central air, which I don't. Yes. Um, because that's a rich person's game. Okay. Exactly. Or an Arizona person's game because you have to have that there. <laughs> well, nobody lives in Arizona. They're all robots. I do. <laughs> so I do. But I do have one piece of like maybe Google slash Android related chat. So yes, there's please. a there the the Rite Aid pharmacy that's kind of like around the corner for me. They're becoming a Walgreens. Like they bought. I guess Walgreens bought a whole bunch of Rite Aids. They're becoming a Walgreens officially on like June 28th, a couple of weeks from now. And nothing, nothing really is going to change. Everyone gets to keep their jobs. They just have to switch name tags, I guess. Um, but the interesting thing that's been happening over the month of June is that all the inventory that is not owned by the store but uh, but is owned by Rite Aid or maybe the other way around, uh, whatever is not going to be carried officially by Walgreens has well, they they just need to get rid of it. So we're getting the like, discounts of like seventy percent on all the stuff you find inside a pharmacy, a, a drugstore, where you're like, why would anybody buy like a sixty dollar bottle of cologne behind a locked case inside like a, a, a Rite Aid? Unless a you're really really stinky, or b you really need to get somebody a present. And, and you want to make sure it doesn't say. it absolutely doesn't look like you got it from a from a from a pharmacy. So, yes, I, I got my favorite Mont Blanc cologne pour homie uh, <laughs> for for 18 for 18 dollars. That was nice. I bought a whole bunch of like identical picture frames for like a buck and a half mm-hmm, each. I, mm-hmm. I've, I've never I've never spent a hundred dollars. Uh, at, at a at a drugstore before, fortunately, because I don't have any <laughs> prescription drugs that I pay for that are super expensive. But now, see, but here we get to the Android part of it. Behind the counter, I thought I'd cleaned them out of everything that I was sort of half interested in, and then I forgot that there's some things they actually have, like on pegboards behind, like the cashiers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And there I saw one of those horrible, like Android-based, no-name Chinese. Chinese, like uh, tab- not tablets, but uh, uh, little little uh, netbooks, sort of things that were kind of selling four years ago, but not really. But again, why would you spend one hundred and eighty dollars or a hundred dollars even or whatever for a laptop that runs Android <laughs> in a Rite Aid pharmacy? And uh, now, see, they're do- everything's down to seventy percent. So this thing would cost me like twenty eight, maybe thirty dollars. And I'm so close to buying it just to see how bad this thing could be. And my my expectations are really, really bad. So if it actually turns out to be really, really good, I would actually be disappointed. It does. uh, I uh, I haven't picked up the box again. It's behind the counter. But on the pegboard, I do see like a logo for Google Play Store. So I could actually install apps on it. Uh, But uh, the, the only things there are only two things holding me back. Number one. I don't know if uh, it gets it will eventually get down to 
okay, obviously the stuff that we have left over is so hopeless that no one will buy it. How about just 90% off or just, you know, what you, you, you got you, you, that, that tin of, uh, that, that tin of, uh, of, uh, of Tic Tacs you just got, well, give me a couple of them cause my mouth is a little dry and you can have it. So I'm thinking maybe I can get it for like 90% off, uh, but it's it's a game of chicken. Maybe at some point, like they just say, "Well, we can make more money off of this just by offering like sort of a job lot of random crap left over, like to some sort of marketer or whatever." Um, the other thing holding me back is that uh, over the course of the, I've been to the, the there's been two MIT flea markets uh, this season, you know, April and May. Mm-hmm. Next one is actually on Sunday, so I'm definitely going to that. Mm-hmm. And on the first one, I bought a working MacBook. Uh, white uh, MacBook for ten dollars, and at the last one we talked about this. Uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> also the two thousand eight uh, model. It was basically for because remember school systems bought those like by the hundreds, mm-hmm. and when they upgrade now suddenly someone goes to a government auction or a government like uh, resale site, and I can buy like a pallet of MacBooks for like one hundred and fifty dollars or whatever. So they don't care what they get for them. I. I got one for right. 10 bucks. I can swing 10 bucks for a MacBook. Last month, uh, we talked about this before. I did get that ThinkPad uh, 11e that uh, that uh, technically technically a Chromebook, but didn't have Chrome OS installed. Uh, I've installed Lint uh, Linux on it. I've installed a couple of other Linuxes on it. I really sincerely love it. Whereas the MacBook is, oh, isn't it? It would be nice to maybe put Linux on it sometime, or just it's nice to have. Isn't it cool for ten bucks? Yes, absolutely. But this uh, this one is actually part of my workflow. It is something where if I'm going out the door, it, it's it's like having like a, a bag of golf clubs by the door where. If I'm leaving for a few hours, do I t- am I going to be mostly reading? Okay, I'll, then I'll t- then I'll take the uh, then I'll take the iPad Pro. Am I doing like a whole bunch of stuff? Then I'll take the the Chromebook Pixel. But if it's I'm literally got my my writing target is I really need to finish another three thousand words today because it's got that super sweet keyboard. It's definitely going to be the ThinkPad. So there's just something that would kind of seem wrong to spend twice as much money as I spent on that MacBook or as much money almost as I spent on that ThinkPad on something that I'm just buying as a joke. It is new in box so I can get the warrant, the full warranty from whatever. Quote unquote warranty. Yeah, whatever like mall push cart in Shenzhen <laughs> technically manufactured this. So I'll I'll keep you posted on it. I might I, it might get to the point where be, because it is my my the local place where I buy like bags of ice and like when I get a Dr Pepper for because I'm going someplace. They they do know me. They know me to be a polite. Uh, kind-hearted, kindly-hearted gentleman, perhaps if I say, hey, if I point at that, say, hey, is that ever going down to 90%? Because for 10 bucks, I'll definitely take it. They might just say, again, do you've got, you've got Tic Tacs? <laughs> Give me a Tic Tac. You can have it. Um, so I did a very quick Google search, as you do, um, on these little laptops, Android laptops. <laughs> Apparently you can find them on Amazon for like around a hundred bucks and uh, they run, some of them run Android (laughs) 4.4. So I'd be very curious for you if you can get this for, if you can get this for under 30 bucks, because I don't think you should spend more than that. I I really don't. Yeah. Because a hundred dollars is, is groceries for a week and a half if you're smart about it. 
you know, and I don't want you to blow that on. Yeah. Lord I mean, knows I, what. I feel as though I would have more fun getting like if it's twenty seven dollars, getting twenty seven dollars in singles and laying them out like in a strip, like overlapping each other really slightly. Slowly. And then and then just like lighting one end of it and seeing how far I get watching them burn before I have to like pat it out and take the rest of it and buy a burrito or something. Not, not that it's okay to burn money. I'm just saying that the amount of pleasure I would probably get out of a $27 Chinese mall push cart <laughs> Android laptop running, God, maybe cupcake? I don't know. <laughs> it's jelly bean, according jelly to beans. the logos okay. that I see around. Um, yeah, but also- th- those, are, those are bought new. This has been like moldering. Like this is like the this is like the 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 phantom of the pharmacy. It's like it lives in the in the in the upper rafters, mm-hmm. occasionally coming down to pretend it's new stuff. At least try and snap a photo of it if you can. I shall. Um, I'll I'll have to figure that. Yeah, it's yeah. it's going to weigh on me. Excuse me. Do you mind if I take a picture of the thing behind you? Uh, sure, <laughs> no problem. Um, oh my also, god! I thought they recalled all of those. Is, is it has has the package been bulging or anything or anything? Has, has anybody who who works behind that section fuzz. of the counter been having cognitive issues? No, no, mm. no, no question, no question, no, no, no. no. Uh, also, is money flammable? Because I thought it was made out of. I guess is cotton flammable. Cotton is flam- flammable, right? Yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe this is a question best for uh, for our listeners, folks. If you've got like a twenty, a fifty, a hundred, uh, see, set it on fire. Yeah. Now realize just... that it's it's only counts as flammable if it's US, a self sustaining reaction. So because make I know sure that more countries... than half of it goes and send us a picture of it just to settle our. Because again, we're we're journalists in a rapidly collapsing market, mm-hmm, so we can't mm-hmm. afford to to burn a dollar. Absolutely uh, not. No, I even I save coins now. Um, I was going to say I saw two quarters on the sidewalk. That is two pennies. No, two quarters. I'm picking the hell of those up. That's half a dollar. That's like half. That's like halfway towards, or okay, maybe a third of the way towards a diet Dr Pepper, which I enjoy, or a third of the way towards transit, um, because transit now is like two (laughs) twenty five. Wow. Yes. By the way, let's not forget that people in other countries have their cash made out of plastic. So if you're out Mm -hmm. of the U.S., please do not burn your money because they probably thought about it a little more than we did (laughs) and made it so that your money is able to withstand a global meltdown. Well, over here, money does grow on trees, or at least we, we spend as though. Mm-hmm. Speaking of spending, yeah. We speaking get, of money, we should put this uh, this podcast into the black uh, with an ad, shall we say? This episode of Material is brought to you by Linode. With Linode, you can instantly deploy and manage an SSD server in the Linode cloud, and you can get a server running in just seconds with your choice of Linux distro, resources, and node location. It doesn't matter if you're working on your first server or deploying a complex system, Linode is the place to go. They offer the fastest hardware network with outstanding customer support if you ever need help. It's super easy to launch a Linode cloud server. And their block storage is available in Newark, Fremont, Dallas, Atlanta, Frankfurt, London, and Singapore. And soon, it will be released in Tokyo. Version 4 of Linode's RESTful API is out of beta and includes an officially supported Python CLI. And right now, Linode is hiring. If you want to know more, or check out at linode.com slash careers. 
Linode has pricing options to suit everyone. Their plans start at one gig of RAM for just $5 a month, and they offer high memory plans starting with 16 gigabytes of RAM. And Linode has a special offer for you. As a listener of this show, you can go to linode.com material and use the promo code material2019 to get $20 towards any Linode plan. On the one gigabyte of RAM plan, that's four free months. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, you have nothing to lose. So give Linode a try today. That's linode.com slash material and promo code material2019 to learn more, sign up, and make the most of that $20 credit. Our thanks to Linode for their support of the Material Podcast and all of Relay FM. <sighs> Not sponsored by Dr. Diet Dr. Pepper, but if you are with the Dr. Pepper company, by all means, get in touch because I. this is the, that's one of those ads where the you know, personal notations go there. I would talk the hell out of that because I enjoy, I enjoy your product greatly. I'm waiting for our kombucha sponsor because first I feel it really does fit the Venn diagram of our listeners, a.k.a. me. Anyway. Say, did you know that some funguses are drinkable? Oh, I know. Are they tasty? Not really, but you can tell yourself you're becoming healthy. Hey, the guava one is really good. Anyway, okay, <laughs> mine is actually made formulated by an actual doctor. Okay, well, actually, it's technically, it's formulated by a dur because I noticed there's there's no period after dur, so it's technically <laughs> a dur pepper. Uh, all right, Andy, what do we have on yes, the roster get... for this week of things that are happening? Okay, so <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, Congress is has opened up what they promised to be the a. 18, American Congress. I'm sorry, our wondering. Congress. Yes, the American Congress. <laughs> so technically, we have to use air quotes around Congress. Yes. Uh, so they they're doing 18 months worth of hearings about the tech industry and where where certain opportunities for uh, new regulations are a good idea and benefiting to everybody, which is long overdue because it was important back in the 90s and early 2000s to say, hey, we're, we're, we know nothing about technology as Congress people, but we know enough that we can really, really screw everything up by trying to regulate something we don't understand, although we will try. So they went for a hands-off policy, and the reason why so much technology is so great is because they were able to do so in a completely unfettered way. And now maybe now that California is uh, doubled in size largely because of the fake volcano helipad layers that uh, tech executives have been building – Offshore, but not uh, housing. Yeah, exactly. Perhaps it's okay now. That perhaps it's grown enough, it's mature enough that we can decide that you know unrestricted exploitation of consumers, and that's okay. So, uh, but they opened it up on Tuesday with uh, by here talking about how ha- having the newspaper industry come in and talk about how much they've been damaged by Google, and it wasn't a it wasn't a great start. In t- <laughs> it wasn't not and for uh, in terms of. Uh, hey, how can we benefit all people here? As opposed to, it's it kind of started off uh, according to the testimony that I've seen and that I've read about, mostly about we're really, really hurting as an industry, and if you and uh, we would like to beat up, get, consolidate, form a cartel, and beat up Google uh, and subscript Facebook, but mostly Google because we feel as though the reason why the newspaper and advertising for uh, in newspaper 
papers has gone from $45 billion in 2017 per year to $16 billion a year in 2017. We feel it's because Google has treated us badly. Mm-hmm. So they're seeking permission to give us, give us a four-year waiver against antitrust laws so that we can somehow bully Google into giving us money. And to making and to make that point, they are creating a really weird narrative that they're saying that Google is point number one. Google is uh, making lots of money off of the news part of the content business uh, that they are that they recognize news as a really, really important product. But because they're not creating news themselves, that must mean that they are exploiting newspaper content, which is a difficult sell for a couple of reasons. Number one, let's just get into numbers. Uh, They are claiming, according to a report that they adorably decided to make public the day before the hearings on Monday, they claim that Google is making $4.7 billion a year off of the newspaper industry without giving them a cent of it. Uh, now and so, oh wow, four point wow. So Google announced that they're making four point seven billion dollars. Well, no, they are going. They're getting that number off of Melissa Meyer when she was working at Google in two thousand and eight. She was in like a public panel or something. It was like a casual sort of thing where they're talking about the the news business, and she basically threw a number off the top of her head that I guess we're making, I don't know, I don't know, like $100 million a year off the news business. So the newspaper industry took that as canon and then ex- extrapolated that. Well, if they're making $100 million in 2008, they got to be making more now. I know $4.7 billion. Mm-hmm. So the number itself, really quite bogus. Google hasn't Just ever... for inflation. Yeah, I mean... Or something. Yeah, you know, that's my pay is also has gone from 100 <laughs> Hundred a uh, hundred dollars a year to like four point seven thousand mm-hmm. uh, dollars based on that. Boy, I wish four point seven thousand dollars a year. I'd be living like a prince. Uh, actually, Prince, the performer who's dead and has no more expenses. I, I shouldn't make fun of Prince. I, I love Prince, but mm-hmm. so okay. So that number is bogus to begin with. But also, they're trying to <laughs> they're trying to say that that uh, that Google because people are searching for news through Google search and because most people are winding up at a newspaper's site, not by typing in the name of the newspaper's site into an address, the, the URL of a newspaper's site into a URL, but by doing a Google search for what has that idiot done today, <laughs> Google gives them a list of like the search hits uh, and then they click on the link and that takes them to the newspaper site that somehow that is to Google's advantage and not the newspaper's advantage that uh, they they made a they 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 cited uh, exactly how much traffic comes from Google not as a way of saying oh i guess we're wrong about that i guess google actually helps us to build and and hold our audience but as look look that's how it's that's how much pe- that's how much google needs the news business it's really, really weird. Uh, I don't. I didn't understand their argument at all. Um, Google's. Uh, they're. They're also. Part of the argument is also that the uh, money that's made from ads is coming. The Google's making a lot more money off of the ads on search pages than uh, than newspapers can sell themselves. 
Now, Google had some stuff to say about that, part of which, uh, part of which being that uh, they don't actually have real, mostly ads on, uh, on their own news products. Uh, they had an official response, I'm quoting here, these back-of-the-envelope calculations regarding that $4.7 billion mm-hmm. are inaccurate as a number of experts are pointing out. Every month, Google News and Google Search drives over 10 billion clicks to publishers' websites, which drives subscriptions and significant ad revenue. We've worked very hard to be a collaborative and supportive technology and advertising partner to news publishers worldwide. Um, And that's something they can definitely support. Uh, Jeff Jarvis, who is a very well-known and longtime commentator and analyst about uh, the news and media and uh, digital publishing, uh, did a really good Medium post that calls BS on most of what these arguments are. And he said amongst them that the, the, that uh, Google, for instance, has created new products that make it e- that make it easy for people to buy subscriptions to online news uh, off of the search things that they're finding. And the reason why they have that product partially is because uh, news publishers beg them to get to create it. And Jeff says, and I was in the room when they were begging them to do that. So I was also in similar rooms at uh, at the different jobs I've been at, having similar conversations of how to leverage the tools of the internet to try and bring more viewers to yeah. the sites. Again, it's weird. It is weird. It's also just um, I feel like this might be a little bit inside baseball because you and I know a lot about the inner workings of this sort of thing yes. because it's where Former we make our money. Columnist. Yes. Pre, pre, pre-internet, pretty much, <laughs> columnist through last year. Exactly. Uh, and I started as a magazine person. I really wanted to get into magazines when I was in college. <laughs> ah! uh, it's just, I'm laughing because they all like shuddered after I graduated. But anyway. See, that, that, that was not a very good <laughs> investment in your futures because no, new, newspapers are well, are much more insulating when you're sleeping underneath them on a park bench than magazines. It's that, it's that slick paper of magazines. They hold in the moisture. It's true. It's true. Um, So the reason this is just kind of important to bring up is because for us working in this industry, we are constantly trying to find ways to get people to read our content and make money off of that. And it's very hard to do that when you're offering things for free and people don't really want to like, don't really see the value in paying for it. I should say that because we do live in a subscription based market now and subscriptions tend like that's the way that you consume your content now. What do you subscribe to? Unfortunately, I feel like for a lot of people, it's not a news organization. I don't know. Um, Depends, I'm sure, on demographics. But um, it's frustrating because instead of trying to find a solution to change the direction in the way that people consume news content and get their information, we seem to be stalling out a bit. And I don't think blaming it on Google or even, well, I know Facebook, which is, again, an entirely different podcast, but I know that a couple of years ago they had really... um, They'd really tried to go to publishers and say, hey, we're going to be like the new way for people to discover your content. And that didn't really work out. But that's just a tale of how we're all just trying to figure out what works and what doesn't because nobody is going 
to our website. <laughs> so it's like, so, so what can we do is we try and leverage the platforms that exist, which are Google and Facebook um, and Instagram yeah. and all these other ways. And sometimes these companies come out with things that help us and sometimes they don't. But for the most part, the only role that I have seen Google play in, in what we do for a living is it helps me it gives me analytics, I know, because um, yep. we had to science. We had to go down to science to figure out how to, like, get articles read. This You did this, by the way, all of you out there. <laughs> you did this. Please he read said, the news. dance monkeys, dance, and then kept changing the music and forcing us to – anyway. It Please was, subscribe to your local newspapers. Yes. Thank you. No, yeah, it's – it's part, part of what's weird is that the, the, the argument that they're intentionally not making to Congress is that – Okay, well, then let's look at what you're advertising, exactly. who, who's advertising with you in 2007. Let's see, you're running huge full-page car ads, and now people go to cars.com and other websites for to find out about cars and car sales. Uh, classified ads have now gone completely over to Craigslist. Supermarket ads uh, now are going largely to direct mail because people don't see what the – basically every single category of ad that you used to be able to sell uh, to, to local people is now gone to the internet and not necessarily to Google. And it's just like you say where uh, one of the reasons why I'm no longer writing for the Sun-Times is because it became such a bummer. Over the last over the over the final like four or five years of my tenure, where I'm like, here are great things that we could be doing. What if we do this? And they couldn't do that, or the CMS system doesn't support that. Or, or let's lay off all the photography staff because didn't right. the sometimes do that? Sorry. Yeah. Or or and, <laughs> it's not and, just them though. Just for the record, it's and the, and also what one of the reasons one of the reasons why you see a lot more typos these days is though they're they, the newspapers can't really afford copy There's editors. There's no copywriters because nobody they, can pay right. them. And so, but 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 basically, and it became uh, in addition to all that stuff. It was wow! I just got this really great uh, late break. Uh, and Apple made an announcement just this morning, and I talked to a whole bunch of different engineers, and I was able to really flesh it out. And instead of uh, instead of like I canceled like my going to my daughter's first confirmation, excuse me, my, my niece's uh, first confirmation or whatever to get this out for you. And now it's uh, I know it's one p.m. I'm sorry, couldn't I, I wanted to get it ready by eleven so we could really catch it. So how soon can you have this edited on the site? Like. Uh, I don't know, like tomorrow, like tomorrow, like, well, I, I don't know, like tomorrow night, I guess. And then I check back on Thursday and it still wasn't up. And I'm like, I'm so glad that I busted my butt to get you. <sighs> and I know it's not, it's because they are understaffed, but that was the sort of stuff where I was trying to say, well, what if you yeah. allow me to post my own stuff directly? Okay. I realize you can't have an edit, have someone posting directly to the site. What if I were to create an entire tech site at my own expense that would have sort of like a yin yang relationship with the column and, oh, well, we should definitely have a meeting about that. Like, oh God. So I'm saying that uh, this is this is why a a tech journalist who a understands technology uh, and b used to work for newspapers is not going to be the best audience for your argument that the reason why local newspapers and even big newspapers are folding has nothing to do with any of that has nothing to do with big uh, companies buying and conglomerating and sort of annihilating local news it's because Google is sending traffic to your sites. Again, good luck with that argument. Wish you the best. I just don't know if you're going to have much success with Wasting that. Wasting people's time is what is happening. There are <sighs> so many more things we could be tackling with taxpayer money than this stuff. Yes.
Like like can, can, like cancel cancel Mary Worth. Okay, get some good comic strips. Anyway, uh, that's another that's another diversion. Yeah, that's okay. So we got speaking of competition. uh, So last week, of course, was Apple's WWDC developers conference. And during the keynote, they spent a certain amount of time making the case that certain unnamed other companies were not as concerned about your personal privacy or security as Apple was Uh, towards that end. They created a they they announced a pretty cool new feature. Uh, for Apple software, uh, basically Apple uh, Apple sign-in. So basically it's their own sort of uh, single sign-in uh, system so that just like you see, oh, sign, in, sign into the service with Google, sign in with Facebook. Now there will also be sign-in with Apple. So they are making the point that this is not this, this is not Google, this is not Facebook. So we're not, we're not going to be using this as a way of tracking you from site to site. It's going to be more privacy focused. And so much, so, there's so into this that now you cannot get an app uh, if your app is for, uh, for the iPhone or for the Mac supports Google single sign-in or Facebook single sign-in and does not also support Apple single sign-in your app will not be approved for the app stores when and of course on the iPad and the iPhone it means that you cannot offer this software anywhere so okay that's is pretty good uh, the verge uh, had a talk with essentially um, who they defined as Google's uh, chief of logins, uh, Mark Risher, who does who manages a whole bunch of different projects regarding uh, uh, single. You know, sign-in. at least it's at least it's straightforward. At least it's straightforward. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's the chief of logins. Just go to him. <laughs> Mark, I forgot my password again. Somebody he go says, to the chief of logins. He's down the way. <laughs> Did you write it on a post-it note and stick it next to your CRT like I asked you to last time? No. Well, then that's the problem. Anyway, uh, no, no. As a matter of fact, uh, he uh, the Verge talked to him about the uh, about uh, the Apple system, and he basically because he par- apparently knows what he's talking about and seems to be a good person was saying no. But uh, even even a competing single sign-on is better than passwords. I hope that people don't use passwords. Um, we all use passwords, <laughs> right? Exactly, because they're because <laughs> they're, they're terrible. Um, he's at the, he had this to say on passwords. I'm going to just quote him fully because it really shows you exactly the problems with passwords. He's saying usually with passwords they recommend the capital letters and symbols and all of that, which the majority of the planet believes is the best thing that they should do to, to improve their security. But it actually has no bearing on phishing, no bearing on password breaches, no bearing on password reuse. We think it's much more important to reduce the total number of passwords out there. Once you start federating accounts, it means that people that maybe you you still have a few passwords, but some new service you're just trying out doesn't need a 750-person engineering team dedicated to security. It doesn't need to build its own password database and then deal with all the liability and all the risk that comes with that. Mm-hmm. So making making the case that doesn't even, even if you're, the password you came up with is like 32 random numbers and characters, that doesn't mean anything if the account that you're using with leaves it in plain text on a server that someone else, an outsider can grab at. And that being able to log in with a single sign in where you're the integrity of that login is protected by Google or by Apple or by Facebook, you're going to be much, much more secure. Mm-hmm. I, um, I mean, I have to say like, I was really into some of the things that Apple announced at its, at its WWC keynote. Um, I do, I would like to see, Maybe maybe Google should think about implementing 
just doing some sort of overhaul or maybe not an overhaul because that could take a long time, but just something to hone in on the security of the Google account. Because I mean, so many of us use it. Like I use it all over the web. And besides two-factor authentication, like what do I have that's really protecting my Google account across yeah. the scary internet? Um, I really, I wish that my Google account could do some of the cool stuff that the Apple sign-in will be able to do. Like, uh, make a temporary email yeah. that you can use as one particular service. I wish I could do that with Gmail. Why can't I do that with Gmail? It, that, that's awesome. It creates a, the Apple sign-in will create a, a, a firewall, so to speak, an email firewall mm-hmm. where uh, if they, if the new service you're signing into wants uh, a pet, wants an email address so it can send you marketing stuff or mm-hmm. newsletters and you'd actually think it's useful to get that stuff. It will create a random sort of at, <laughs> at mm-hmm. iCloud.com that will then forward to your regular email so that uh, if you terminate your relationship with this, uh, so basically they, they never get your email address. They they can't possibly sell uh, sell it on to anybody else or abuse it in any way. Said, so, yeah, Google, c- c- command C, command V <laughs> into, into my account, please. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think slowly the shift is being. I, I feel like Google is slowly making the shift to really hone in on what it can do to keep its users safe. We really saw that shift happen at Google I/O this year, and then with WWDC from Apple's on Apple's part, it was really kind of a one-two punch, which I can appreciate because that keeps, you know, that keeps. I hate to say that keeps competition going yeah, because it's such a like money maker thing that like, obviously I don't care about because <laughs> I'm not making the money, but it does. It keeps the competition going and it keeps companies like Google saying, well, if Apple's doing that thing, that's like a really good thing. And maybe we should consider doing that for our users. There's, there's a lot of work to be done with regards to um, full security and privacy. And I'm just, I'm just hoping to get more stuff from Google's end. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think Google is kind of, they're, they're, they're hurt by Facebook because Facebook is absolutely horrible. And unfortunately then Google gets lumped in with Facebook. And it's a very different, it's a very different thing, by the way, like Facebook and Google. Yes, absolutely. I, I do. I think that Google can never get away from the fact that why, yes, we do collect, we, our business plan, we are, uh, uh, most of our money comes from advertising and we create a really good advertising product, the better we know you. So we do collect data. However, I do think that they're, they are serious about privacy and security. I do think that I trust my data mm-hmm. to uh, Google not mm-hmm. as much as I would with Apple, but not f- much less than I would with Apple. And they're, and, but Apple has the purity of no, no, no. All we want to do is charge you twelve hundred dollars for a phone that does nothing more than what. So you'd pay for five hundred dollars. We're on your side after all. You're welcome. Okay, it's not that bad, but you know what I mean. Um, the uh, Matt continues to. Uh, oh, sorry, Mark uh, continues just to, before we move on. Uh, talking about exactly that, about Apple's sort of jabbing at them with that. Here he was. Uh, it's been is, going on for years. Oh, I course, mean, yeah. this is since they're, they're, I started working in this industry. It's been like Popeye and Bluto. Yeah, <laughs> Google's unsafe. We're Apple. We're white and pure. <laughs> like, oh my God, you're all just giant conglomerates. Stop it, all of you. 
Yeah, we 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 built we built literally the most expensive walled garden in in, the in South Cupertino, Bay, literally yeah. with the money that we made by being just nice and hippies and thoughtful. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so here is Mark saying uh, about the uh, apples sort of jabbing at them. Uh, quote: I will take the blame that we have not really articulated what happens when you press that quote sign in with yeah. Google unquote button. A lot of people don't understand, and some competitors again unnamed competitors mm-hmm. have dragged it in the wrong direction uh continuing on so getting someone out there to reinvigorate the space and make it clear what this means and what happens is really beneficial but there was a bunch of innuendo wrapped around the release that suggested that only one of them is pure and the rest of them are kind of corrupt and obviously i don't like that we only log the moment of authentication it's not used for any sort of retargeting it's not used for any sort of advertising it's not distributed anywhere before finishing up with, uh, I honestly do think this technology will be better for the internet and will make people much, much safer. Even if they're clicking our competitor's button when they're logging into sites, that's still way better than typing in a bespoke username and password, or more commonly, a recycled username and password. Hmm. Hmm. So that's, yeah, I I, I like this interview a lot. It shows that this is is the sort of attitude that I do associate with Google, that we absolutely understand and promote the problems, Mm -hmm. the problem. We understand the problems of security and safety. And we all we want is for everybody to be more secure and more safe. And the fact that you've got someone in a casual conversation, as opposed to We've got a press release out because we're getting hit by CNN about uh, no. Apple's new sign-in by saying no, absolutely. Again, we the, we we will we will make sure that we want people to understand that no, we're not using this single sign-in of ours to screw you over. But we're, anything is we're glad that Apple is getting people to talk about this, and we anything that gets people not to use usernames and passwords is really wonderful for us. Can you believe we've like come around to that where it's the your username and password will not protect you. It is not you're not a special snowflake with your username and password. <laughs> like you need now you need to enter the gateway with like protection and the protection is a login through a third party. It is really <laughs> quite interesting to see that the the way that the internet is evolving um with regards to security and I guess now like you really do have to have a gatekeeper. You really have to have somebody you know, a company chaperoning you through the web. It's a very different place from where the internet started is the wild west. It's, it's wild. It's, it's wild how we have, um, the, the way the internet has just sort of, oh my gosh, it's, it's interesting to say that the internet has evolved in the same way that humans have evolved in on earth, like with regards to communities and structures and like how we do things. It's just, it's very, it's very fascinating from an uh, anthropological perspective. Yeah, see, the, 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 the historically what we've been worried about, like since the founding of the Internet, particularly mm-hmm. at the founding of the Internet, was, oh, big corporations are going to use it to control and, uh, and, and enslave humanity. And, and yes, we're going to be victims Comcast. all the time. Okay, true. <laughs> but, Sorry. <laughs> but it's like. Stop actually, throttling me. Yeah. <laughs> I pay you so much money. <sighs> Sorry. It's, just, I, it's a lot of money, Andy. It's like $180 a month. 
And like, seriously. Okay, sorry. It's just no, ridiculous. No. No, no. But yeah, it's it's like, oh, but now we really need the big companies to protect us against the little people. <laughs> the, the, right? the, little, the little people who are uh, allegorically, who are like the, 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 the raged out meth heads who are willing to break <laughs> into your house and just rip the copper wiring out of your walls to make $4. <laughs> <laughs> that there are too many little people out there that are trying to like get into my accounts. I would much rather stand behind. I'd much rather be the, the bullying I get from Google results in me getting free email and and being reminded that I've got calendar stuff happening next it's week. It's like I'll, hanging out with the popular kids. You're only doing it to protect yourself socially. You're not actually invested in the popular kids. Hmm. That was my strategy in high school. <laughs> And I hope nobody it, uh, from high school listens to this podcast. <laughs> and, and I hope no one Oops. who works for Google is thinking that we think that of you individually. I'm no, just talking no, about no, no, as no, a no. company, as individuals, yeah. we're, we'd, we'd have you over to our barbecues or our cookouts at any time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I, but I also just wanted to make a comment about my strategy in high school, <laughs> which was to blend in with the populars, but to not actually like be. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, um, shall we get to another commercial before we yeah. get interesting news happening about stuff yes. that may or may not happen on the fall? Again, some podcasts call this a break. This episode of Material is brought to you by our brilliant friends over at Pingdom. Pingdom is brilliant because they help keep your sites and the sites you love online. Pingdom monitors your site so you don't have to and gives you real-time feedback so you know exactly what's going on at all times. The internet is awesome! but stuff does break all the time. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. That's more than 400,000 outages a day. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts about any critical website issues. They'll let you customize how you are alerted depending on the severity of an outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom, and Pingdom is a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is the URL you want to monitor, and they will take care of the rest. So go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. Then when you sign up, use our code MATERIAL at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom for their support of the Relay FM Network and Material Podcast. Okay, so we don't we, we there's not enough time to talk about every rumor about every product that comes on over the transom. Uh, we generally only talk about them here if they're super super interesting or they really seem to be a thing that is going to actually happen. And this week we have both. Mm. Uh, so about the Pixel Four phone that's coming out this this fall. Oh, we're talking about the Pixel Four already, Andy. Oh, yeah, we, we it kinda... seems kind of early to be talking about it. It's only June. Well, we talked about as we as we discussed last week. I've tried to drown my Pixel One phone and it's still working. So uh, the I'll best were to... the replies to that podcast by the way which said unfortunately my pixel one did not live <laughs> now we didn't know i wasn't encouraging people to accidentally no. drop their phones into a bucket of melted ice water i was simply but yes uh, <laughs> we we did hear many bards regale us with their minstrelsy uh tales of woe pl strumming on their lute and talking about yes uh so your mileage may vary, but so uh, Google did something bizarre this week just to just to demonstrate that whatever Apple does, they have to do the opposite of and vice versa. 
Apple responds to rumors of unannounced products by saying Apple does not comment on unannounced products. Google, <laughs> I guess uh, Google has responded to rumors about the design of the Pixel 4 by saying, okay, here you go. Here's a picture of the back. Oh, God, it's Here's a picture of the so back much. of the Pixel 4. And they tweeted it out. Not Again, not by accident. They decided. No, it was made by Google, verified on Twitter. Yes. They tweeted it out. And the rest of us were like, what is going on right <laughs> Now, it was hijacked June. the Google account, and what is their what did was this it's somebody's last day? Fired? Yeah, now yeah, they have exactly. to support this. It's like I get again, I again, I, I it wasn't like oh, here's like a design mock up that came out of no, it was like a beautifully like, like pressed rendered, yeah. rendered image of it. Uh, this might have been a response to uh, unbox there. There have been some rumors that there was going to be a square camera bump out and multiple cameras uh unbox Just therapy like Apple. <laughs> unbox therapy had what they claimed to be would look to be like cnc aluminum like models uh the sort of stuff and they were claimed that this is what like a case manufacturer was using in order to design and test out mm-hmm, cases mm-hmm. for the upcoming one so maybe it was a response to that but so we have some things confirmed that yes there is going to be a, a square bump out uh, in the upper left corner of the back, that it does appear to have uh, three lenses inside it, which is interesting news because remember that last year, maybe because they had to, Apple was, uh, Google was saying, oh, well, we don't have to have multiple lenses like the iPhone 10 because all we need is one really good lens and a whole bunch of artificial intelligence machine learning. So maybe they maybe they believed that at the time, maybe who knows. But now it's really has me thinking, well, what if they actually do have like a a a near folk a regular angle lens and a telephoto lens and a third like black and white lens that is just getting luminance stuff. And so we have all of that hardware advantage and then they also add in all the machine learning advantages that they have cuz remember the common wisdom which I and I agree with was that the iPhone 10 and the Pixel were taking pretty much as good pictures as each other. Mm-hmm. And and when you throw in night sight, the Pixel was taking way better low light pictures than the uh, than the uh, than the iPhone 10. So that's got me super excited about what we could be seeing for the. Uh, now I I totally do have that like eight to nine hundred dollars. Just what if we just don't have heat during December and October and in November? Because I have a feeling that I will want this phone if it's as cool as this. And maybe and maybe that reaction is the reason why they decided to tweet out that picture, get ahead of the announcement of the, the Note 10 and uh, the future iPhone 10s. I just have to say about this that I know a lot of us in our fun little bubble get all excited about this, but may, I don't may think I, may it, I say parenthetically that if we do another podcast that's like non-tech related, how about Flo and Andy's fun bubble? I like that, Andy. Let's I write like that, that. down. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we will have air holes though, so that people can breathe. Uh, <laughs> there will be hey. oxygen. But so our outside of our little bubble, I'm like, does that, nobody really cares about like leaks and stuff. Like nobody knows that this stuff is being leaked outside of us. I mean, we are heavily internet people. The those of you who listen to our podcast are heavily internet people, so you know about all the heavily internet stuff. The more time I hang out with my friends, God bless them, they are the best things in my life. Um, the more I realize, like I am one of those severe internet people. 
those of us inside the bubble, we're seeing something, the people outside the bubble, you know, like my mom, she's only thinking about the Note 10 because that's the one she's going to upgrade to because yeah. that's the phone that she fell in love with. Um, other people who have iPhones, they're just going to think about the iPhones. It is going to be, I really want to see if Google implements any new strategies this year to try and sell uh, their pixels, which Andy leading us into this next little rumor <laughs> might be a good marketing point. Yeah, it's there was another uh, really good rumor that uh, this is a good one. This is a really good one. Now, just to preface, uh, realize that I have said uh, I have looked at the Pixel Three, anticipating that I was going to be buying a Pixel Three, and said no, because I really do think that I, I my my broad rule and my broad piece of advice on buying new hardware is that unless it creates uh, new opportunities for you or solves problems for you, it's probably not worth upgrading the hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there's like a, I don't know if this fits into each one of them, uh, either one of them, but there really has to be something fresh and new that uh, it can't just do the old stuff better. It really has to be, uh, be something that is, I'm going to, I'm going to feel left out. And that, that's even wrong because fear of missing out is one of those things that cause people to do stupid things on Instagram. What I mean is that I really need to see that. Wow. I think I'm really glad I have face ID. I really am glad that I have touch ID. I'm really glad I have this much better camera. Uh, mm-hmm. And so now it looks very much like the pixel four will have, will be the first piece of hardware to actually include uh, a project solely chip. Now, if you've got long memories in 2015, at Google I.O., Google showed off this new Project Soli, which is a tiny, tiny radar chip, literally radar, that can respond to gestures that you make within the airspace above uh, above a piece of hardware. It was um, introduced at uh, the, sorry, the 2016 Google I.O., I believe. Tw- excuse me, the 2015 Google I.O. Right, 2015. The year before they moved it to Mountain View. Right. Uh, and in 2016, they at Google I.O., they sh- actually showed off uh, actually functioning things that they had developed with mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. For instance, like a, a smart they put it into a smartwatch where if you want to change the volume on your on your headphones, you just basically put your finger. Imagine that there is like a, a volume dial above your watch and just like twist the dial up or twist the dial down. So it's not just being able to wave your hand above a light sensor. It really is again, using radar to figure out that, oh, there are two fingers in front of the sensor. They're making this gesture right now uh, or being able to mute a speaker, like a, like a Google Home speaker sort of mm-hmm. thing, just by waving your hand above it. Uh, really, really cool stuff. When you talk about uh, either functions that are just sort of, I, I don't really need the, f- uh, I just want this phone to shut up or I just want this this thing to shut up. I don't, it feels like I don't have to, I shouldn't have to wake up the screen, look for a little speaker icon and then target that and push this button in order to mute it. I really wish just like, just like, uh, if Wave I, it like, like just, a shushing motion, just, just like in a sitcom. If someone mm-hmm. is, if, if someone is talking about your, your aunt trivia's, uh, uh, recent trip to Reno, and someone is standing behind the them, going, city in the world. waving their hands desperately, <laughs> saying, don't continue this conversation. She went there for plastic surgery, and we don't want this person to know that it wasn't for, <laughs> you know. So, I mean, you just, it really sounds cool. So, uh, after talking about Project Soli here, so it really does look like Project Soli will be some part of the Pixel 4. Now, this comes from a couple of different places. Mm-hmm. Nine to five Google uh, said that they have heard that it's definitely that it's happening. 
And 95 Google is that that's not the best. Uh, excuse me. I, we have heard from sources that this is happening. It's not as mm-hmm. good as we have quotes. We have quotes from an unnamed source that we can't reveal. Uh, but they prop the, the 95 Google is a good enough source that they wouldn't have said taking the risk of saying here's what we've heard unless they feel as though they heard it from someone really really good. And then not long after that, uh, the uh, the site XDA developers was looking into Android Q. And this, uh, they noticed that it supports something. Or I'm sorry, this month they might have mentioned this beforehand, but now they've connected it to Project Soli. They noticed that Android Q supports something that uh, the internals refer to as an "quote aware" unquote sensor, mm-hmm. and that for now the uh, referring to a piece of hardware that is called the aware sensor that can be pulled and checked for uh, the a Gestalt can check for the presence of this inside a device, and that according to the code that they uh, they're looking at right. Now it's being referred to to you for a feature called skip and a feature called silence for media. So ostensibly, you could use this gesture to again turn off a, a turn off a source of sound or skip to the next thing or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Uh, and that uh, one would hope that it would, that something as cool as the Soli chip would be used for something bigger than that. But even that's pretty cool. the The last thing uh, that is uh, a good buttress for this is that in December of 2018, uh, the FCC approved a waiver that Google asked for to use the Soli chip at higher power level. Uh, the FCC cited that uh, there is minimum potential at harm uh, of harmful interference. Uh, and that this was in the public in, uh, public interest. Uh, here's a, a quote from the approval. We further find that grant of the waiver will serve the public interest by providing for innovative device control features using touchless hand gesture technology. And that's really the, the money phrase for me. Innovative device control features using touchless hand gestures is like, oh, wow. yes. I feel... I feel as though this is going to be worth my money if this is a real feature uh, that actually happens uh, in the Pixel 4. This gets me this gets to, me excited. We're going to have to really show people how to use these things. I think um I think Google's finding its niche. I think it's going to find its I think it's going to carve out a space for itself in the marquee phone world. I think that people already know it to have one of the best cameras. That's kind of the the general statement out there like people know oh yeah that google phone has some of the best cameras people know like those samsung phones are some of the most powerful uh i think it i think this might be a little more helpful to have project solely than simply look at the back of this phone it has three cameras and it is in the shape <laughs> of a square like cool yeah no this, this okay is- so you look like an iphone from the back Okay, yeah. that might be a thing for some people, though. Well, just all, all the things that it will enable. Just even if we're just talking about simple things like it is, <laughs> I know you, I, I know Flo that having had like ninety seven to hundred degree weather, it's hard to imagine right now. But imagine being in New England in November, December, or January, and you're wearing gloves, and you just want to like skip a track, or you or actually you want to get into Google Maps and check to see what time the next mm-hmm. train is coming, without pulling off your gloves and and coming into a frostbite situation um i i will say that i have in similar situations in really bad weather i have actually operated 
my phone with the tip of my nose because I've got my I've, I've got, done that too. I've got my <laughs> it's not just taking off the glove. It's like I've got the I've got the sleeve of my heavy coat like actually mm-hmm. wrapped around the cuff of the glove so that more <laughs> wind can't get in and it becomes a whole thing. So even if th- that that will get people who are even marginally on the fence, I think. Who've, who've, who've admired Android for a while, but haven't really said, oh, but there's, it's not, I've never seen anything that's so good and so useful and so redefining of uh, and solving problems for me that I'd switch from an iPhone. The first time that I'm at a cold bus stop and I, and, I've, and I see somebody like twiddling their fingers and like hypnotizing their phone into launching <laughs> launching a podcast app. I'd be like, what phone is that? And will you, can, can I give you $1,800 to give me your phone right now? And we're not talking about the gimmicky stuff that like the LG G8 does. Um, that right. is a, it, it's a very, that's a very precise gesture that you have to do to get that to work. And I found it kind of frustrating to use. I think this sounds like uh, a progression of the feature that's already available in that new Nest Home Max um, that's coming out. There's that feature that recognizes when you're in front, it recognizes who you are. So I would imagine that's just an extension of that. Yeah. I'm looking forward to using. It could be it could be one of those things that starts off with a in in the fall there'll be in Android Q there'll mm-hmm. be a couple of simple gestures just to make sure that they've got it working right. And then in Android R suddenly it's you can like do American sign language at it and, and use it for typing. Uh it's or or the international forms. That would be cool. That would be cool. So, yeah, so now this has gotten me super excited. Whereas this time last year, I was just kind of excited about maybe having a new phone at the end of the year. Now I'm like, oh, please don't let my expectations more than double the reality of what this is because if it's as if it's as much as 1.4 times as much as what it is actually, they've got my money. It's a it's a really cool idea. I was about to say, make that nine hundred dollar price tag worth it, please. Just stuff more things in there, but <laughs> well, not like the way Samsung does. Yes, yeah. <laughs> you know, again, yeah. Don't 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 give me a demo that kind of works, and then it's a feature that I don't use after the first week. Give me give me something that is an oh my god, like an I'm in so display glad I'm an fingerprint reader. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> Well, that should wrap it up for this week. I think, uh, Flo, is there anything that we should call people's attention to for you know, uh, for in the publishing world, in the entertainment world? Uh, not at present, but you know where to find me at florencelion.com. And um, follow me on Twitch at OhThatFlow if you're there on you Twitch. <laughs> I should I should check out Twitch. I I don't think I've been on Twitch you know more what? than twice. It's... it's you know, we'll talk about it on the next episode because okay, we'll I, I, I think we should. Yeah. <laughs> um, we'll also talk about a comic strip next week. I just realized I should have put into the notes because something cool is happening in a comic strip that's very much Google related. Uh, so you can uh, usually uh, just type in my name into uh, Twitter or uh, Instagram or onto a web browser, IHN as in Nancy, A T as in Tom, K O. Uh, and you'll find out all kinds of stuff about that. Uh, I had a lot to talk about and, uh, on NPR in Boston, where I do about a half mm-hmm. hour roughly every week uh, about uh, some of the stuff that we talked about yesterday. Uh, and uh, you can go to WGBHnews.org to, uh, to get that in the form of a podcast or just stream it after the fact. So, everybody, thank you so much for listening to us last uh, this week. I hope you listen to us again next week. Until then, have an awesome seven days.
Bye. <laughs>